Good day, this is Kelly Daynert with the Pearls and Swine site. Thank you for listening in on this particular podcast. I have had uh, numerous discussions with ministry leaders and with those who have suffered under ministry leaders over the years and interviews that were very difficult to listen to. But this one is certainly one of the worst that I have heard. I am amazed by Emily's strength and courage. And as I tell her story, I think you will be amazed as well by what she had to go through, what kind of hellish leadership she had to deal with in the church. And I hope that this is uh, both an encouragement to those who have gone through it and understand that they are not alone, but I also hope that it is a challenge to leadership in the church, that they would get training in abuse and in sexual abuse and understand the trauma that that causes and what that trauma does to the person so that they can be empathetic, so they can minister to them like Jesus Christ ministers to them. So let, let me begin, Emily's Hell, All the Evil Under the Sun. I felt so dirty and worthless and useless, and to be reminded of my worth in Christ is something I still depend on to this day, when the doubts creep in. You would think that some former druggie, murderer, or adulterer said that. Looking back at his great sin, he turned to Jesus to see that he continues to love him through it all, like King David, who had failed miserably. But now he has turned from his sin in repentance. But that wasn't the case. Emily, who said that, was raped. Her great evil was being sexually molested repeatedly by a neighbor when a child and then being raped repeatedly by her boyfriend both before and during their engagement. At least that is what her church leaders said. Her church leadership not only turned a blind eye to her rapist, but told her she was shut out from the kingdom of heaven. Rather than be reminded of her worth in Christ, she has been crushed by God's shepherds. Like in Mia's case, I've written about her as well, Emily's church was not some radical fringe cultish group. Rather, she was raised in a small but respected denomination that prides itself on doctrinal thoughtfulness and thoroughness and purity. But her church leadership has acted anything but thoughtfully or pure. They have acted with great and as great an evil as I have seen in these cases of leadership abuse. Well, this is her story. Emily went through a period of blindness and attended a blind school for a short time, just a few months when she was 18 years old. She told me the blindness was diagnosed as due to the PTSD from her childhood sexual molestation and has since been resolved. She said she began dating Jeff at the blind school out of rebellion, 
there, but was forcibly stopped by her parents. They tricked her into leaving the school, leading her to believe they had a family emergency. She explained to me, they refused to let me out of the vehicle once they confronted me about my relationship with Jeff. Emily soon after attended a Christian singles conference where she met Chip. He was a, a big man, big in the sense of physically, and a member of one of her denominational churches in another city. They met up once again the following summer when they both attended the conference again, and they began dating over email. Emily had no desire to marry Chip, but she explained to me, I felt like I was used goods and nobody else would ever want me after that. She and Chip ended up getting engaged, but she discovered him to be controlling and he hurt her repeatedly, physically and sexually, even before they were engaged. During one of his rapes, she was taken to the emergency room where he remained by her bedside every minute. One of the nurses wrote in Emily's record that she was very concerned about the psychological circumstances of family at the bedside, along with several other comments about who was with her in the ER room. It can only be assumed that Chip was keeping a close watch on what Emily would report to the doctors, and the nurse had suspicions as to the cause of her injuries. Emily has pictures of the bruising, she said. She told me, I did try to report this to the church leadership, but was rebuked and told to stop slandering my fiancé in order to bomb my own conscience. In addition, Chip had made comments to her that he had molested both of his sisters as children and hoped that I could produce several daughters during our marriage. It just about made her vomit. Emily was frightened and confused. She reached out to Jeff once again from her blind school days. He offered to put her up in an apartment he had access to while she healed and got free from the abuse. Emily stayed up all night, packed up what she could in garbage bags, and left her family's home without them knowing. She told me, I, I left a four-page letter on the kitchen table for my parents and Chip. During the entire trip to Jeff City, Chip blew up my phone constantly. In the past, if I didn't answer messages and calls immediately, he would hound me and others until I responded. That evening and well into the night, Emily's father and other church leaders were texting and messaging her. They were begging me to come home for the good of my soul and blasting me for the sins they thought I had committed, including living with a man I wasn't married to, never mind that we had separate apartments. In time, her father quit contacting her, but her pastor continued messaging unabated. Emily was being shunned by her family and hounded by her pastor. She said, I asked many times to be allowed to show evidence of the sexual abuse and physical abuse, both in the form of deep bruises and scars that were still visible months later and electronic proof I had gathered and kept. Since her mother was not speaking to her, Emily even offered evidence of the abuse to a lady in her church. However, Emily said, Pastor Johnson said anything I submitted would be useless, 
and automatically dismissed and denied because of the way I had left made me an unreliable witness. I was not even allowed to submit proof since it was simply an attempt for me to supposedly exercise or excuse my sexual immorality. Emily was compared to Jezebel. She was told she had played the harlot. She was told she could be Rahab, the prostitute, though needed the redemption Rahab got and she didn't have. She was called a whore. Emily was told she had lied to Chip because she had not told him she was leaving. I was told that as a condition of repentance, I would need to send Chip an apology letter specifically citing the sexual sins in full, explicit detail that I had led him into, led him into, and for breaking my vows of betrothal to him, betrothal, I guess. She sent a letter that she described as full of the juicy details. But Emily also begged to show the church leaders her evidence of abuse. Her letter wasn't good enough. She was planning to marry Jeff, who was a Catholic, and that showed she was unrepentant. It was believed that he could not be a Christian and be Catholic. She was then required to tell Jeff she did not believe he was a Christian and he was going to hell. Emily was excommunicated by the church. After the excommunication, it was as if I no longer existed. Pastor Johnson had told me I was also being excommunicated because of Jeff, who was a Catholic, and he told me that they, as elders, had the authority to open and shut the gates of heaven, and that they were shut to me. It was a Catholic priest who was most helpful in her healing. Emily told me the priest assured her whatever sins I had committed, I had been forgiven for by my faith in Jesus' sacrifice, and that it was time to also heal from the spiritual and physical wounds I had. The priest offered to have a couple of sisters sit with her. Amazingly, Emily continued to seek the blessing of her former church. She reached out to them a year later, and they told her she needed to show at least 8 to 12 months of repentance for her membership to be reinstated. Emily said she lived in absolute terror of making an error. As evidence of repentance, Emily was told to remove pictures of her wedding from Facebook that included her new husband with the feet of Jesus showing in the background. Emily said, I was required to stand in front of the congregation while my sins were read aloud in graphic specifics. However, her parents were unwilling to see her, so she was not present when they read her confession, supposed confession to the church. She started to wear a head covering and only wore long skirts to further exhibit humility and submission since Pastor Johnson said that humility was a sign of repentance. So where to now? How do we respond to this story? Emily is crying out. She has been so deeply hurt by the church and her family on top of the trauma caused by sexual abuses she has suffered over the years. She's held it in, trying to go on with her life, but she wants her story to help others. 
She has received so little vindication. It took much for her to open up to others about the spiritual abuse she has faced. Those with which she has trusted her spiritual growth and safety have so badly failed in ministering to her in her brokenness. And Emily wants to see her relationship with her parents redeemed. Who is going to humble themselves and seek her forgiveness? Who is going to recognize that their theology has gone seriously awry when they consider rape to be the woman's fault? Who is going to step aside from their complicity with rape and spiritual abuse and seek her forgiveness on their knees? Unfortunately, it is not looking hopeful. Emily needs to have the final word in her story, so I end with her comments to me. In sharing all of this, I in no way excuse my sinful nature or the fact that every day I am in need of God's mercy and grace. That being said, I firmly believe the way I was treated was grossly negligent and spiritually abusive. I need safety and support. I need shepherding and healing. All I found when I most needed love and light was damnation and darkness. I came to them bleeding and broken, and they left me more broken still. Growing up, Dad and Mom taught us God uses broken, fallen vessels for His purpose and glory. I can't help but think this is one of those cases. I found safety with Jeff when literally no one else was safe or could provide that safety for me. And we have a beautiful family, and my husband loves the Lord, and we are raising our daughters to know their worth in Christ and his love. Emily's story. Thank you for joining me today with Pearls and Swine.